part is open to interpretation, but here's something that's totally clear. You can save on your bus trip to the First Street Transit Gallery to see works from CSULB students. Get your Go Beach Pass from Long Beach Transit for as little as $40 a month for unlimited bus rides. Then go check out pieces from your fellow students on display in downtown Long Beach. Great value and great art. It's as easy to understand as that. For more information on the Go Beach Pass from Long Beach Transit, visit ridelbt.com forward slash students. Welcome back to Beach Weekly, a podcast created and produced by Long Beach State student-run newspaper, The Daily 49er. My name is Cindy Aguilera, and I'll be your host for today. Joining me is co-host Aziza Gomez. Aziza, how are you, girl? I'm doing good. I'm conjuring up all my energy for this this news roundup today. Yes, it is eight in the morning, (laughs) and it is not necessarily the sunniest morning outside, so it's a little hard to get to get like that morning feeling going but wait Cindy are you a morning person you know I used to be like it's kind of weird that it's taking me a long time to wake up but I don't think so I don't think I'm a morning person anymore (laughs) are you like I honestly I feel like these past like two weeks I'm like trying my best like last night I went to sleep at like 10 30 that's good and yeah no on Monday too and Okay, I'll, I'll save this for my for my story because it's a little commentary for my story. So. Okay, great, great, great. Let's get into this news first. So first up in campus news, Daily 49er reporter Jessica Torres reports um, Miles Nevin, who is a three-time grad from CSULB. Yes, three times. He graduated three times from Long Beach, y'all. He returns as the director of the university student government. He graduated first with a bachelor's in criminal justice, then a master's in public administration, and then a doctorate in educational leadership. Of his time, yes, of his time in ASI, he says, those student involvement experiences created a profound experience for me and gave me the spark of interest to want to go into this industry. This is why I'm here today. He started as a student working for ASI, but today as the ASI director, Nevin is responsible for overseeing the management team and all the ASI facilities, services, and programs. In addition, he is an advisor to the student senate. That is pretty awesome. Uh, Just once again, another alumni kicking butt and taking names. He is CSULB. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's that's how long? Okay. Four years usually for your bachelor's. What, two years for your master's? Something like that. Dang, he's out here. He's really out here. Yeah, and he grew (laughs) up, you know, um, if I'm not mistaken, like by the 405. So there's a really touching moment in the article where he says as a kid, he remembers seeing the top of the Walter Pyramid on the freeway. And he never thought that he'd actually be working at the school where the pyramid is. So that's that's pretty awesome. I love that. That's amazing. Yes, 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 yes. Very inspirational. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this week I wrote an opinions piece for the Daily 49er. It's titled Go Away Sad, How Seasonal Affective, Dis- Seasonal Affective Disorder Changes and How Those Changes Affect Our Mental Health and What Can We Do? Um, Aziza, let me ask you, do you know what SAD is, SAD? Like sad girl? No. <laughs> yes, there is a sad girl, and I think we're all part of that club. <laughs> sad girl club. Sad girl club. 
<laughs> but uh, no, I mean, like SAD is literally seasonal affective disorder and symptoms include uh, loss of interest, fatigue, like mood drop, social withdrawal, and basically like just the whole interruption of your schedule, appetite, mm. sleep and everything. Um, and this happens basically because the hours change and, you know, we live in California, so it's not like a huge drastic change, but even like the, the hour change for us is kind of like a big deal because we're such a sunny state. And then to have our sunlight cut down, like drastically, you know, during the fall, mm. um, it, it can really affect you. So, uh, Dr. Nina King at CAPS, which is Counseling and Psychological Services at Long Beach, um, gave me such great insight. Um, she says, if you are genetically predisposed or already have anxiety and depression, SAD is an annual thing that you're going to have to manage. Um, and so, you know, every time that the fall season starts coming around and you know that you, again, have a tendency to get a little bit more tired, uh, she recommends visit CAPS or, you know, book a therapy session or something like that and map out a plan, you know, that that is going to ensure you don't get depressed and like so unmotivated because it sucks. Like, I'm going to be super honest and very candid. You know, I suffer from depression like all the time. <laughs> it's a constant thing for me. So during this season, it is a lot more difficult to find that motivation. Um, Asisa, have you had any experience with anxiety or depression at school? Yeah, I, I didn't even know there was a term for that feeling, like, especially during this time. <clears throat> I feel like right now I'm like, have, I'm like a mix of that and senioritis. Like yes. it's hard distinguishing between the two. Cause I'm like, Oh, I want to graduate. Oh yeah. I'm so close. Um, but actually it was one of your posts that inspired me. I think you made an Instagram post about this, right? Like you like posted, yeah, like, Oh, it's I time. It's time to make a routine for yourself. So mm -hmm. I literally did it. Cause like, yeah, I, I definitely have anxiety um and depression sometimes and um I think now that I'm getting older I'm kind of realizing that it's like it's like a situational thing you know like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm starting to learn like what can trigger my depression and anxiety and mm -hmm. I feel like for me personally that all starts up when I feel like I'm not like taking care of myself or like mm -hmm. I'm not doing enough yes so I think it is important to like make that effort and especially in hard times to like continue to look out for yourself mm -hmm. for sure yeah and and like yeah this is really like like you said it's it's you didn't know that this was a thing yeah. um this is sort of the first time that I'm I'm actually like actively dealing with the depression that comes around this time I didn't know that that's what it was either and I again like you literally like you just said you made the connection of like what is it that's really making me feel this way you know mm. what what is it that's causing these feelings because there's always a root there's mm -hmm. always an origin to that emotion. And um, for me personally in school, you know, I had a lot of like trouble in school growing up. And so like that same fear for whatever reason is still there. And it's just so weird. But again, like talking to a therapist or a mental health um, professional can really help you sort out, you know, those feelings. And, and you know, it doesn't even have to be like, a very, you know, intensive session. It could literally just be venting sometimes. Sometimes mm -hmm. that helps. Uh, yeah. And CAPS has, has services for that. Like they have, if you go on their website, have like a ton of virtual uh, workshops for meditation, 
for even I think like journaling, it's all these things to cultivate a healthier mental health so that when things do come up, roadblocks, obstacles, you got it, you got this, you know, you're not going to fall apart. So, you know, use those services, guys, go to CAPS, talk to some people. I don't know if they are open, like in person fully, but definitely go to their website, check out those services. They are absolutely free for students. And even if um, you can afford something, Dr. King says that they can help you uh, find referrals to doctors or anything in your area so thank you for bringing that to the table this morning dude i had to because i was yeah i was like you know the morning is gloomy this is literally what i'm talking about like (laughs) i can't even like get the the right mental state of like it's morning you know let's wake up and so it's i totally get it wait when people you know stop showing up to school or or don't feel the interest to to show up anymore i get it me too yeah i feel y'all all right i feel Asisa. us i feel us absolutely yeah. that's what this podcast <laughs> is about y'all we want you to be seen and to feel heard and that you are not going through it alone like students go through the same stuff at the same time we just don't tell each other mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so true. okay so what you got in news this week so <clears throat> My first piece of news comes from Daily 49er reporter Isaiah Zuniga, in which he writes about the Long Beach AIDS Walk. The AIDS Walk was held in person in the city of Long Beach on Sunday, November 14, to raise awareness towards communities affected by HIV. The Long Beach LGBTQ Plus Center held the annual AIDS Walk event in person on Sunday, November 14, at the Long Beach coastline and raised out of their $50,000 goal to support HIV and sexually transmitted infections. Since 1988, the Long Beach AIDS Walk has raised millions of dollars to fund critical HIV prevention and support services such as free condoms, HIV and STI testing, primary medical care, and more. According to the center's website, the, the route for AIDS Walk participants started at Junipero Beach then headed east towards Belmont Shore. In the end, participants turned around at Granada Beach near Rosie Do- Rosie's Dog Beach. More than a year ago, the AIDS Walk was held virtually where attendees participated in the comfort of their homes due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The center was required to send detailed documents over to the Long- Los Angeles County Public Health Department with an estimate of how many participants would be in attendance in order for the people to come out to show their support for the AIDS Walk. Um, and then I have a quote here, but mm-hmm. I accidentally forgot the person's name. Oh, I think last name Guzman. He, I think he's the director of the AIDS walk. He says, it makes me happy to see that people came out to the event to spread awareness about this issue. He said, as he followed the crowd of walkers on the walking path at Junipero beach. That's crazy that we had to like, um, stop people from going to, something as awesome as this because of covid i know it's a crazy time it's a crazy time to be alive so many interruptions to so many things though but Mm -hmm. shout outs to this aids walk being back i've done the aids walk in in west hollywood Mm -hmm. or the one in la but it goes through all like hollywood and west hollywood um and that was like a few years ago and it was really fun like you know actually getting the money together so that's what i like i like getting the money together and having like (laughs) a foundation 
that you're going to put the money into like a purpose, you know, yeah. just walking. Cause I mean, you could just walk. I think that's fine, but um, it's nice to have like a purpose in mind. Um, have you been to the Long Beach AIDS walk before? I have it. No, I, I didn't know it was going on, but next year I just might. Mm-hmm. I just might. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, again, always providing those services for Long Beach residents, you know, even STD testing and all that. It's such a like a, a, a what is it called? Like a taboo subject, you it know, is. to talk yeah. about STDs. And yet STDs are like rampant. They are mm. everywhere. People can get STDs just by looking at each other. OK, I'm just kidding. That's not possible. <laughs> I hope that's not possible. <laughs> but um, you know, STDs are everywhere, y'all. Like, please be careful and yes, use those resources uh at Long Beach City. Long Beach is awesome, by the way. I love Long Beach. I don't yeah, live there. Long Beach is definitely a vibe city. Mm-hmm. Definitely a vibe city. <laughs> <laughs> My okay. second My second piece of news comes from a CRWC article written by reporter Alec Horn. CSULB Student Recreation and Wellness Center provides a state-of-the-art fitness facility for current and former students in the city of Long Beach. If you are tired of expensive gym memberships, broken equipment, and poor hygiene conditions while working out, consider checking out CSULB's Student Recreation and Wellness Center, voted as the best place to sweat it out for the 2021 Student Choice Awards. The SRWC is located on the east side of campus at 1401 Palo Verde Avenue, Long Beach. The facility has been constantly updating and adding new equipment since it first opened in 2010. The facility is now 126,500 feet and contains 20,000 square feet of weight and cardio equipment, a swimming pool, a multi-activity court gym, and many other services. Members can rent out basketball, volleyball, and badminton courts as long as they are recreation-related. Members can also sign up for over 50 free group exercise classes each semester, such as spin, yoga, and Pilates. The SRWC's app called CRWC Go is necessary to obtain membership and is a convenient resource available to members as well. The app provides contactless entrance, equipment rental, locker rental, and personal training enrollment, among other features. Membership at the CRWC is free for students at CSULB as it has been paid through university student union fees. Students who take a semester off can purchase a membership for $124 per semester or $94 for the summer. More information on the CRWC can be found on their website. So actually, I have some commentary. So I went to the gym, to the CRWC on a uh-huh. and this was after like a whole semester. Like this whole semester, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. But you know what, like you said, like I was not waking up that early. Like I I don't even have classes to like the afternoon, like starting like 11 to two. And like, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go today. So this Monday I go to the gym, I do a little cardio, whatever. And then I walk outside and there's like this HBO Max tent, okay? So I'm like, ooh, what's that? Uh huh. Uh So I, so I walk outside and I walk up and they're like, oh, take this little quiz for some like swag or whatever. And the show is called, I think the show is called like 
the sex lives of college girls and it's oh my uh, god that's by mindy kelling mindy kelling yes yeah mindy kelling she uh she wasn't there obviously but they had like their little representatives and so i took the quiz it was cute it was like five questions just like asking like oh uh what what did it ask like what would you prefer or how would you prefer to like ask a guy out and stuff like that? Oh my so- God, Aziza, your <laughs> knowledge is going to be on television. You know that. <laughs> and so I took the quiz and I, I, like no one was approaching me. I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm gonna still take this quiz because I just want some. I want something, you yeah. know? So I walk up to one of them and I'm like, hey, I just took this quiz. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she like called over this other guy. She's, she's like, get her some swag. Oh so tell me why they gave me a whole Herschel backpack. <gasps> a Caesar. I know. Blue. It's beautiful. It's a oh Herschel backpack. And it says HBO Max. It doesn't end there. It doesn't oh end there. Oh, my God. It was, it was literally stuffed with <gasps> three products. And, um, and like, it had, like, these two little cards. And it was, like, explaining, like, the concept of the bag was, like, an overnight bag. It was, like, what do you have in your overnight bag? Oh, so, how cute. Yeah, it had, like, a hairbrush, de- a full-size deodorant. <gasps> it had, like, condoms. Oh, my God. Like, the bag you take with your boo. Like, an over... Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. That is so funny and cute. Is, yeah. Isn't that genius, too? That and is very genius. What I also liked about it is that it had, like, an Ipsy bag. I don't know if you've heard of the service yeah. Ipsy yeah um i'm conflicted on that aziza gomez does not endorse ipsy because it gave me an eye infection oh god and i had to go to urgent care because i had work like the next day okay i'm gonna say ipsy hooked it up because it was like when i got this infection it was like during the election Mm -hmm. right and everyone was like oh my god don't go out like everyone's gonna be crazy yeah. And I had to go to work the next day. So I go to urgent care and my doctor's like, oh, yeah, no, you got an infection. So That's so- insane. Can we know what it was that gave you that infection? Yeah. So it was like an eye cream. It was like this oh. like little eye cream. And I was like during this was like during my self-care phase, you know, mm-hmm. like second mm-hmm. year of being single. I was like, <laughs> you know what? Self-care. I'm going to just do it. Pandemic. Like, what else am I going to do? So exactly. I'm, like, so I'm like, all right, let me put myself, let me put on some, crem- some cremita on my eyes. <laughs> and then the left eye the next morning was like super inflamed. And oh I was my like, God. Oh my God. That's okay, terrifying. My is, my theory is that it happened because the product was expired. A lot yeah. of the, a lot of the products that I got in that bag that month, they, they tasted stale, like the lip glosses or whatever. They tasted stale. And I think it's because they keep them up in the warehouse because mm-hmm. they're just like little trial size things. So yeah. I feel like they keep them in the in the warehouse and they give it mm-hmm. to you. And then by the time that someone like me actually like opens these products mm-hmm. and I get them. Yeah, I got so I after that, I was like not canceling Yeah, canceling my trial like I don't want to do this. But yeah, it was there was three bags. So it was the Herschel bag mm-hmm. and then there was this like little blue bag in there and then there was another bag. And then there was the it's the uh, Ipsy bag. Wow, you got lucky, dude. Honestly, like lesson of the story though, always walk up to booths because you never know what you're gonna get, and it's exactly. always awesome to get free stuff as college students. Like, <laughs> who doesn't so like cool. free stuff? Literally, yeah. literally. I was like, oh my god, like I am that college student. I am that college student freeloader. Market yes. to me. Market to me. <laughs> Give it to me because this is the audience <laughs> that you need. Absolutely. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, I I will always walk up to a booth like, hey, what's up, guys? What are you guys doing? You guys giving a yeah. break? You giving away some stuff? What do I got to sign? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I've gotten $25 gift cards. You know, let me just tell you. Yeah. This is how much I walk up to booths, okay? Okay. I walked up to a booth. It just kind of looked like it was popping. So I was like, hey, what's up? What's going on? They gave me a $25 gift card. The other day, it was <laughs> freezing on campus. Ooh. And I went and bought myself a CSULB hoodie. You know, you want to know how much I paid after my gift card? How much? $2.40. Please tell me that is not a come up. Wait, okay. It was on campus? Mm -hmm, Yeah. They really, that's on marketing. They said, if we give people these gift cards, they're going to buy at the student store. Yeah, I basically got a free sweater. But listen, (laughs) I'm not ashamed. That's one of the amazing moments that happened to me in this week. I was like, $2 for a sweater? Oh my Lord, that's amazing. Is it Christmas? For real. I know. <laughs> Literally, I woke up this morning and I saw like I was on Instagram and one of the commercials was like for Fabletics. It was like Lizzo. She was like meditating and being all cute. And then they're like 80% off. Oh, say less. So I had to go on there. I bought two, <laughs> I bought two sweaters and two pairs of leggings before this call. Oh my god, I don't blame you. Those <laughs> leggings are cute. And Lizzo's on it, say less. Like for real. Lizzo is amazing. Like she looks good. I feel like I'm gonna look good. We're all gonna look good. Yeah. That's no, that's- I'm not sponsored though. But you know what? If we're talking about it, you can throw a sponsorship this way. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> yes. If anyone wants to sponsor me, let me know. Actually, I don't know. I don't want to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll save that for later, but we're gonna throw the idea out there. If anyone wants to yeah. sponsor Aziza or me, manifest a know. sponsorship yes <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, my third story mm-hmm. um uh is about long beach so it's long beach residents give back to the community beach cleanup mm-hmm. so marine cleanup attendees gathered at the harbor light landing a private dock near the maya hotel on queensway drive to remove the large amounts of trash and debris left in the water Long Beach residents gathered at Harbor Light Landing, a private dock near the Maya Hotel, to fish trash out of the ocean with nets, laundry baskets, and three-gallon buckets on Wednesday, November 3rd. Um, Tim McCade, the operations manager of Jet Ski to Catalina, says, it's really just raising awareness of what's happening down here. Um, People have no idea that there is this much trash down here. Alexis Monty, a vegan activist and Long Beach resident, was astonished by the amount of trash that McCade posted on Instagram. Monty said she made a call to action on Instagram, which resulted in over 40 people asking to get involved. While Almonte said she was a bit disappointed when 40 people did not show up, seven people did attend and the group collected over 20 bags of trash within three and a half hours. The group found a lot of oddities in the water, such as discarded tampons, a car tire, dead animals, and a sign from Studio City, which is 40 miles away from Long Beach. Most of the debris flowed from the LA River, which is 50 miles long. McCade said the responsibility of picking up trash, especially after a storm, falls on Jet to Ski, which he owns, which puts a strain on the employees. Although the booms stop a lot of trash from building up, they do not stop the degree from piling on the boat docks near the, uh, near the Maya Hotel and Harbor Light Landing. 
he says, it's kind of confusing, but the city doesn't do anything about it. Maybe they will now. Uh, for everyone who's wondering, Long Beach Weekly Beach Cleanups are held every Wednesday from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. And you can visit the at One Love Cleanup Instagram page to learn more. I'm going to have to sign up for that because honestly, listen, best, let's go together. I'll go dude, with you. Let's go. Because looking at these pictures, like on this article, this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and first off, like, what is the trash in LA doing over there? Who, who, mm. who allowed that? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the LA river, the LA river, obviously <laughs> is doing what it wants to do. Just transporting trash all over the city. Oh my Lord. This is terrible. Yeah. Like it makes me so sad. I love the ocean. I think that's probably one of my favorite, like just environments to be in. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also a Pisces. Okay. So Ooh. I have like a astronomical you know connection to the ocean we're both but, water signs okay we have to go and so like it really saddens me it breaks my heart literally to see so much pollution in the ocean all these amazing beautiful creatures that we still don't know a lot about are dying because of our irresponsibility and lack of care and i think it's it's amazing that these small very niche little groups of people are taking time out of their day to clean up the city that they love like yeah that, that's so inspirational we have to do it you know yeah i'm down i mean i like that it's it's in long beach you know we are supporting the long beach community um now was it like this was from school though right like long beach cleanups is it is um, it originating from csulb or is that just the city yeah, it's just the city. So um, Tim McCade, who's the operations manager of this place called Jet Ski to Catalina. Yeah, he works there in that area. And so he was he was just like posting pictures of all this trash yeah. like and, and like hoping to get awareness, like even from the city, because I, I guess from what he's saying, like the city isn't helping. So if anyone's cleaning this up, it's the employees of his company or of his business, mm. which honestly, if you're working and there's like already things you have to do you can't like yeah that's not their job their job is to do the the jet ski stuff i'm assuming and talk to clients and keep them happy not like have to clean up trash although it's amazing that they're doing that yeah so yeah have you you been to that area um where they're at um i honestly probably i am not great at remembering where i've been to be honest (laughs) (laughs) same (laughs) i'm like Um, i don't know i've never been here uh you've been here three times really (laughs) uh no like you did your birthday here remember really (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't seem like me (laughs) yeah yeah um visit yeah visit the one love cleanup instagram page if you do want more info on that Aziza, you let me know when you want to go, girl, because I'm down. I love to clean the ocean and I love to just like do things for the environment that are selfless, that are not Mm going to have a direct impact on you. I think that's so important to have in your life because it takes you out of your own, you know, like mental world and to do something for someone else. Yeah. Um, And what better, what better, yeah, what better activity than cleaning up our beautiful city of long beach well i'm saying our i don't live there but i go to school yeah you're 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 from long beach now yeah i i (laughs) i'm from la originally so i'm Uh kind of indirectly responsible for the garbage it wasn't my garbage i swear 
Um, <laughs> if it were up to me, that garbage would not have made it to Long Beach. I would have stood there yeah. and stopped it. Oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay um anything else Aziza you want to talk about that was actually my last story for today thank you for thank you for like joining this call with me at 8 a.m oh my god no thank you for being so flexible <laughs> um that's one of the amazing things about doing the podcast is that uh you know we can really be flexible with recording and things like that and Mm -hmm. it's very important to deliver these news because first off like we don't have breaking news like super super crazy news stories but I just want to encourage everyone to go to the daily 49er because there is so many stories right now that you can read um we didn't even talk about that are are really really like informational that's not the word informative (laughs) informative yes queen (laughs) um and so I encourage you to Go to Daily 49er, read more about the stories you heard today and so many others. Yeah, interact. Interact with your community. Yes, and get involved. You know, Mm -hmm. we are um, in a very, very beautiful city. And I think like honoring that and respecting Long Beach is, is, you know, just something really nice that you can do to like love your community. And in a way, when you love your community, you love yourself. Period. (laughs) All right, y'all. So that is it for this week. Head on over to Daily 49er, like I said, where you can read more about our campus and other Long Beach news, as well as more multimedia content like our podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Daily 49er. Thank you so much for listening. Now you can listen to our next segment where our podcast editor, Jeremy Taylor, interviews sports psychologist, Dr. Ross Flowers about mental health in sports. Very nice. And, and happy Thanksgiving. Make sure that you become the black sheep in your family and shake it up. Shake yes. It up. Actually, we're, <laughs> don't cut. Go back to that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Aziza, say that one more time so that everybody can hear you. Because, <clears throat> yes. Happy, uh, happy Thanksgiving. And also, be rowdy. Shake things up. Be proud to be the black sheep. Okay? <laughs> be no, the- be the chaotic family member in yes. your family. Make the stories. You. And look, I already know what I'm going to say at my Thanksgiving dinner. Like, <laughs> if you need an example. Yeah. So we tend to pray, right? Like, right. over the dinner, like, <laughs> you know, hi, everyone, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for this food and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. in the middle of it, I'm going to be like, when it's my turn, I'll be like, okay, so now everybody's going to listen. Okay. Yes. yes. Um, first and foremost, this is what I'm going to say. First and foremost, um, Native Americans of this land do not celebrate this holiday because it, this was really the beginning of a genocide for them. Mm-hmm. So I just want to throw that out there, family members. Mm-hmm. We're going to Google this later on tonight. <laughs> um, we're going to look at the tribes that lived in New Jersey because I'm going to go visit my family in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at the tribes that lived in the state of New Jersey before it was New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about Native Americans and yes. the significance of these terrible historic things that have happened to them yes um but everybody enjoy your dinner and have fun okay you'll be like so um directly under your seats you will find my opinion article that i wrote for the daily 49er um boom accompanied (laughs) accompanied with a google slide 
Oh, I have a whole PowerPoint. I'm going to make a whole PowerPoint. (laughs) So number one terrible thing that happened to Native Americans because Mm. of European settlers. Mm. Um, Here we go. This is an example. Oh, girl, I'm going to educate the fam. (laughs) You should get one of those microphones, the little ones. (laughs) The ones that go like hip over your ear. Um, But yes, I encourage, absolutely, Aziza, I encourage everyone to not be like, you know, a jerk. And we're not saying be a jerk. Don't but, but but talk about these things. I encourage people to talk about Native American issues spe- specifically during this time, mm-hmm. because November is Native American Heritage Month. Right. But so is every month. Um, but more specifically, I think during December or during November, there's like a lot more things that they deal with because they have to see Thanksgiving stuff. And it's not really for Native Americans because the whole story of of you know pilgrims and native americans like being besties when they met is a lot Mm -hmm. we all know that now so um you know keeping that history clear you know making that aware i think is a great start um and also look up look up the land you occupy today wherever you are long beach la new jersey wherever look up the land you occupy um you can do this online at native dash la.ca um i think that's what it is and it's this website you can type in your zip code and it'll tell you uh the tribes that live there um the languages and even the treaties that they signed which if you don't know this in california a lot of treaties where they were promised that where their land was promised back to native americans a lot of those treaties were broken Um, They were lied to several times, not just by California, by Mexico. And like, I think it was like three different times. Um, So, you know, be aware of that. (laughs) That Thanksgiving isn't necessarily just for us to eat and stuff our faces. Although that's my favorite part. Dude, I wish I was your cousin. I feel like you'd be my favorite cousin like (laughs) at the dinner table. I'm just like... Yes. <laughs> you know we're cousins in spirit how about that we're we're all cousins period <laughs> period all right Thanks, all right queen. yes of course and again don't forget to check out daily 49er content <laughs> on our website at our podcast follow twitter follow instagram for daily 49er news thank you so much for listening asiza as always it is a pleasure and just a great old time thank you so much for this you're welcome. Thank awesome. you. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Southland is bringing its credit union experience to the Long Beach State campus. As a student of Long Beach State, you are eligible to join with access to our new university student union branch, student loan services, free checking, and free financial educational resources. Visit Beach CU for more information. Welcome, everybody, to our Beach Weekly Spotlight interview. My name is Jeremy Taylor. I'm the podcast editor here for The Daily 49er. I'm here joined by Dr. Ross Flowers, sports psychologist for our men's basketball team. Doctor, how are you? Very good. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. Well, thank you for being with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you've done here at the beach. I'm a uh, 20-year veteran now, it's hard to believe, in sports psychology, and I support that with a background as a Division I All-American athlete, a Division I uh, coach, and now with 20 years experience as a licensed psychologist and sports psychologist working with 
you know, athletes from, you know, as, as young as middle school through high school, college. Uh, I work with still a, a group of Olympic athletes in track and field and in USA basketball, uh, just to name some. And then uh, also working with professional sports right now, basketball and baseball. So I try to bring all of that background and experience with me when I work with anyone, but particularly with uh, beach basketball, you know, working with their men's team right now around making sure they develop not just successful performance skills, but really building life skills that help them be strong men. Why did you transition from coaching to the, I guess, the mental health field? Well, so I was a division one track and track and field coach. I was a track and field athlete coming out of UCLA and wanted to, when I got to graduate school, really build my ability to articulate what I knew as an athlete into how I could, how I could help younger athletes and people coming up in the sport. Uh, and so also want to get that experience as a coach, how athletes and parents communicate with coaches so I could have that understanding well as a sports, as well as a sports psychologist. But I always knew that I wanted to get into helping people build successful life skills within their sport. Some of my experiences as a student athlete at UCLA, I was one of the highly recruited athletes coming out of high school, coming out of Seattle, Washington, but I had a major injury my first year. And so dealing with how to manage injury, recovery, surgery, communicating with coaches, questioning myself, my identity, really taught me a lot about, it's not just about being an athlete, but it's about building life skills so you can be successful as a student. And if, you're at, if your sport is not able to continue, how you can become a very well-balanced person. Uh, and so those are the things, once I had that background as an athlete and got some experience coaching, I felt like I had a better grip on how I could help athletes, particularly in college. Now, I saw in your bio that you have worked with the LA Clippers as well as, um, I believe, the, the Chargers, or is it the Rams? Uh, the Rams and the Lakers here in LA, yes. So working with the beach and working with, you know, the professional athletes, what is the difference between dealing with pro versus amateur? Yeah, one of the things I still really love about high school and college is they're still learning, they're still growing, they still want to learn a lot more. Not that professional athletes don't, but there's still a, a, a youthfulness to, to many college athletes in wanting to get to that next level. So they're willing to try everything that's on the shelf, including sports psychology, physiology, nutrition, really learning and understanding more about their mind and body and how they can be the best they possibly can in the hopes of getting to that next level of performance. What are some of the ways that you build a rapport with a new client? Time and really trying to take my PhD mouth and put it aside and just have a conversation, get to know people as they are. And, and most importantly, I think in, in the field of sports psychology is not, a, not approaching the individual like a fan, but just really talking to them about who they are, why they play their sport, how they balance their life, what relationships they have to support them, you know, looking at their network of people around them. And through that relationship growth and development, we can impact how they are as people and in how they uh, perform as athletes. Now, you said earlier, you try not to act like a fan. I, I imagine that has to be incredibly difficult, especially let's just say we don't I'm not going to ask you to divulge any names of the people you worked with. But how do you not fanboy out when you're dealing with a professional athlete? 
Well, well, for me, you know, I'm I'm not a fan of anyone other than my kids. I mean, my my kids are my fan. I, my, I I throw everything I have into them. Uh, so, and I think some of this is, you know, after 20 years of, you know, seeing sport at the highest level, you know, you know, the biggest Olympic stages, the biggest professional stages. Honestly, I have a different perspective of professional sport uh, because I know what goes into it. I know what is underneath the podiums. I know of success and performance. And, and so I really try to stay focused on the skill and the task of what I do and not so much of, you know, what the cameras promote and, and, and what media promotes. Um, and so that for me, that's that's not difficult. It'll be, I think the more challenging part would be if or when my kids become professional athletes, I, I would fan out. <laughs> Do you see yourself retiring when they become professional athletes? No, I don't. <laughs> I, I would be, I've never worn a player's jersey, but if that were to happen, I'd wear a jersey. You know, it's funny. I'm going to the Dallas Cowboy versus the Las Vegas Raiders game uh, next week. And so I'm getting all my gear to go for the game and I have a Dallas Cowboys jersey and I put it on and it was the first time in my life that I've worn a jersey in a long time. And I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Like, it just doesn't <laughs> feel right. I wear the T-shirts. I wear the jackets. But yeah, so I feel you on that one. With the advent of COVID and the restrictions that were implemented, some athletes weren't allowed to compete in their prospective sports. Can you talk about how you helped them through that challenge? That yeah, was tough. I mean, it still is. You know, I can think of a number of examples of, you know, high school athletes going to that college level and finding out as a freshman coming in that, you know, the opportunities they thought they would get to perform in their sport just were not available because now they have returning, you know, fifth and sixth year seniors. You know, so an 18 year old now competing for a position on a team with someone who's maybe 24, 25 years old. And so it's been very difficult for some on the performance side, getting their opportunity but I think more importantly, just the mental and emotional side of being away from a huge part of their identity for maybe nine to 10 months and figuring out how to balance their interests, their passions, their motivation when they can't be around not just their sport, but their teammates and coaches and, and things that they've enjoyed for so long. Uh, and now being thrust back into it and trying to figure out, OK, how do, how do I get back? And so, unfortunately for some, they, they deal with some setbacks of injury because their bodies have um, not been challenged or the demands haven't been placed on their bodies the same way. Now they're back in sport and being asked to perform, you know, at, at high levels. And so some is dealing with, with injuries. And, and for some that try to continue their training through the, you know, 16 or 18 months, however long it was for them to be out of their sport, depending on the sport, is a little bit of burnout because they've been training for so long and now their bodies are starting to wear down as it finally get the opportunity to compete. So a, a number of things to deal with there. But I think from my standpoint, it's really helping folks deal with the mental and emotional um, development of managing anxiety, managing possible depressive symptoms because they haven't been a part of their sport or around it in the same way. The socialism, you know, how, how to maintain communication with teammates and coaches has also been a challenge. Uh, so trying to, again, look at those life skills and how we can help them develop so they can be successful people, if not successful athletes. You talked about managing the depression and anxiety of being away from the sport or being reintegrated back into the sport. What are some of the coping skills or some of the techniques you use to help them uh, transition back? Well, again, it's getting back to their identity. 
you know, oftentimes when you're away from something you love so much, like your sport, you feel like your identity is shifting. If not, you're losing some of your identity. So reestablishing who they are, what their strengths are, you know, what they know to be true about themselves. So they have a solid foundation of knowledge, awareness, comfort, if not security in their ability to go out and perform their strengths. And so with that, they can hopefully feel more confident as they return to their sport. They can feel more secure as they rebuild some of those lines of communication with teammates, players, coaches, training staff, support staff. But I think also looking at where their network of support is, you know, so what and who are around them to support them. So, for example, if they haven't been around or involved in their sport for a good period of time, who else or, or who else and what else do they have to support them? Maybe other hobbies, other interests. And I've talked with people who've picked up photography. Uh, you know, people have picked up painting. You know, there's there's some athletes who are great cooks now because they've spent some time on the Internet learning recipes, making sure they're um, they're keeping the, the nutrition up if they can't perform the way they want. So how those other interests and hobbies, you know, support their identity is a great way to work through some of those anxieties and challenges of not being a part of their sport. When when it comes to athletes and mental health. Um, a lot of things like you were talking about earlier, injury aspects of the game, injuries are part of the game and coming back from an injury is a lot different from say the mental challenges of depression or anxiety, which one is more difficult to help the athlete transition or to work through the injury or the anxiety. That's me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the anxiety or depression or just the, the, in, cause when I've been injured before I've had, so I've had surgery and you're very kind of leery about, you know, kind of really testing that damaged body part and really going after, you know, whatever it is, activities you wanted to do. What do you, what is more difficult for the athlete to overcome some of the depression aspects of just life or anxiety, or just that mental block of being able to get back on the court or on the field and do their thing. Well, with an injury, uh, anxiety tends to be a large, you know, as you kind of alluded to, it's can you trust that repaired area of your body? Uh, and, and so in the same way you've probably worked for, like, for example, I had a, a titanium rod placed in my right tibia. So I knew it was a at least a six, if not nine month recovery period. While I was recovering my body, you know, a larger part of that rehab was recovering my psyche. And, and my trust in myself, uh, my uh, knowledge that I could develop my body, but also I could go back and perform at a high level, particularly when there's a lot of questions around, can you actually go back and perform at a high level? You know, hopefully, like in my situation, I was told you're probably not going to be able to come back and run hurdles again. You know, we've never done this surgery on a track and field athlete at the collegiate level. So, you know, you'll be lucky if you get to sprint again. Well, I took that as, a, as an opportunity, as a challenge, right? Someone telling you, no, you're probably not going to be able to do it. You know, most high-level athletes, they're competitive. So they're being told they can't do something. All right, I'm definitely going to do it now. And so rebuilding your psyche along with rebuilding your body is a big part of that. And some of the anxieties that go into, am I ready? You know, asking some of those questions about, you know, are you ready? Can you do it? Will you be as good? Can you be better? You know, who's going to believe in you? All those questions can develop even greater anxiety. So trying to manage those questions and confirm your identity through not just your physical development, but your mental and emotional development. So again, going back to building, if not rebuilding your identity around not just your physical, your physical performances, but your 
ability to communicate, your ability to see yourself as a strong, solid, confident individual. Uh, those are aspects of managing the anxiety, if not some depressive symptoms. Athletes like Simone Biles, Calvin Ridley, and Naomi Osaka have been very open about their mental health struggles. Collegiate and professional sports are a pressure cooker for stress, and a mental health break makes sense. How do you differentiate between someone who is genuinely struggling versus someone who is trying to game the system? That's a great question. Um, and I think people that are close to individuals or the individuals themselves, they know if they're saying, hey, you know what? I just need a break, I'm tired. So let me say I need a mental health break. Uh, compared to others who are really struggling with, for example, the anxieties and pressures of media or the demands, expectations that are placed upon them. Uh, when they're, they're dealing with maybe a, a recovery from an injury or uh, just a long, long season. Uh, and, and so th there is a difference. And I think those individuals who are honest with themselves and have you know, great self-awareness will know when they need that mental break and that mental health break. And I'm glad to see and hear a lot of these individuals speaking up and saying they need that time to recover the challenge is what are they doing in that time off? Are they actually taking advantage of resources to support their mental health and wellness? So whether it's talking to a licensed professional or taking the rest recovery time they need and then actively engaging in rest and recovery, as opposed to, hey, I need a mental health break. And for example, going and using a substance to recover, that's gonna put them in a deeper hole. So I think actively using the rest recovery time and, and res professional resources to support them is a great way to deal with those, uh, those mental health needs. Why do you think athletes are so more open with their mental health struggles now than before? Because usually athletes were very guarded about just any kind of weakness getting out in the media now. And I'm not trying to say mental health is weakness, but, you know, they're just very, very protective about their brand. Why do you think athletes are so more willing to discuss these challenges now? I think it's a number of reasons, but one important one I believe is we're finally breaking down this stigma of mental health as a weakness. Uh, just like a strained hamstring, a, a torn rotator cuff, you know, back injury, it's, an, it's, it's a part of performance that needs to be addressed just like your physical health, just like your nutrition, your, your biochemistry, your, your mental health and wellness is, is another area of our person that impacts performance. Uh, and, and so I'm glad to see that we're breaking down this stigma, particularly in, 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 in diverse cultures, in, in, within our diverse backgrounds. People of color tend to really shy away from mental health and wellness. And so I'm glad to see, particularly through Olympic and professional sports, more people of color coming out and saying, this is an issue, this is a problem, and this is how I'm dealing with it and addressing it. So more people of diverse backgrounds will be open and willing to address their mental health. Recently, the Name, Image, and Likeness Act was passed in California. You essentially have kids like Bryce Young making six figures before they even turn pro. Do you feel like this act could be detrimental to young athletes' emotional growth? Ah, great question. <laughs> you know, you know, you and I probably see so much of our you know, younger generations now driven by social media. Uh, and I think if we look back when we were kids, it was probably our parents looking at, you know, why are you playing Sega or Atari? Why you waste your time on that stuff? It, it's not going to help you. So there's trends, of course, in our culture. But I think it's, a, it's an opportunity now 
for the younger generations to take control of their identity and their brand, of course. Uh, and, I, and I love to see them get those opportunities. But I think there is a, a, a um, opportunity to be careful about how we promote name, image, and likeness before individual, if not performance development. Uh, and so throwing, for example, six-figure salaries at young folks before they've even proven their ability to compete or perform at a higher level, that's a marketing risk, right? So that's up for those businesses to decide how they want to do that, of course. I, I think for those of us who are trying to develop young individuals and their families around these opportunities, there, there's a lot, there's a big platform there. Um, and there's a big platform, I think, for these young folks to find how they can market themselves in a positive way. Maybe even talking about how they're addressing mental health and wellness, how they're addressing their, their physical and, and personal growth and development, what they're doing in their communities. So it's not just throwing money at you know, an individual because you know, they're great at catching passes or throwing touchdowns or you know, shooting three-pointers or scoring 30 points in a game, but we're actually talking about and building up people's name, image, and likeness because of the person that they are, well-rounded people. Social media has allowed athletes to grow their brand and interact with their fans, but like a double-edged sword, it's also opened up athletes to being cyberbullied. What advice would you give young athletes in regards to navigating these troubled waters? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, being on social media for a little bit and then putting it down, getting off of it. <laughs> uh, just like anything else, you need a break. It's good to step away, actively recover, doing something else balance your life with other hobbies and interests. Also being aware, and I think you could look at, for example, the music industry. Um, the people that we see performing, entertaining, some are talking about you know, their, life, their lifestyle and their community and what they're experiencing. But it doesn't mean they are that gangster or, or they are that person toting a gun everywhere they go. And so it's entertainment. And I think as we look at social media, we all also can look at, at uh, social media and how we promote name, image, and likeness as entertainment. And so if it does get to the point of individuals being bullied, can they see it oh, as a source of entertainment? Let me put that down. Let's walk away from that for a little while. Well, it used to be the media would be the only ones that would critique athletes' performance. Now you have, you know, Joe Bob Briggs over there saying, hey, you cost me money on my fantasy league this weekend because you didn't catch any balls or you didn't rush for X amount of yards or you threw extra picks. What is it about navigating, like really like not reading those comments and being able to like let those comments affect you? Whereas some athletes, they go to those comment sections and it does bother. Them. And you have a person who's like, say, Kevin Durant, who's openly admitted, hey, I engage with the trolls. I have no problem, you know, sparring with them. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first, when you brought it up, the first thing I thought of was Sydney McLaughlin and, and, you know, how she came out, you know, on social media and talked about her struggles. You know, so Sydney McLaughlin is a world record holder and, and Olympic champion of 400 meter hurdles this past Olympics. And she talked about those struggles of reading social media and feeling, you know, uh, overwhelmed, if not bullied by what people were saying. Uh, and, and I think a great approach similar to like, I'm not a fan, big fan of all these reality TV shows. So I, I know there's a lot of the channels I can watch. I flip the channel, find something else that, you know, is more entertaining to me or is educational, something I can get something out of. Uh, and so I think there's an opportunity here for folks to, to turn the channel, put social media down, turn it off, 
Um, and so if it is something that you find is overwhelming or too engaging, it's a good opportunity to take a break from it. In other words, don't read the comments. Don't read the comments. Don't, well, you don't always have to read all your press. <laughs> as we're approaching this, uh, the time of the year, we're recording this a week before Thanksgiving. And with the end of the year comes finals and the holidays. Do you have any advice for our students or student athletes as this emotional time approaches? Well, first, as we're getting um, close to end of a semester, end of a quarter, is stay ahead. Get ahead academically, get your work done so you can enjoy the holidays. You know, first and foremost, I'm a big promoter of, uh, of planning and preparing and strategizing so you can uh, do the work in advance. Um, do, do what others uh, won't today, so tomorrow you can do what others can't. So you can get into the holiday season and really enjoy Thanksgiving for, for me is the best holiday of the year because it's not about gifts or anything like that. It's more about showing appreciation and being around loved ones, uh, particularly over hopefully some good food. <laughs> so I, I really encourage folks as you get ready for the holidays, you know, really carve some time out to enjoy the loved ones that you have, good food uh, and relax and recover because once you come back into training season, it's going to hit you. Well, since we brought up food, what kind of spread are we going to have at the Flowers household this year? Oh, man, we're going to do something a little different this year. Uh, we're, we're all getting together uh, in, in Northern California this year. I mean, candied yams, greens are my favorite. Fried turkey is always a family favorite. Uh, and of course, sweet potato pie. And I might I might do a uh, my, my my what I my kids love is a berry crumb cake or excuse me, berry crumb pie. OK, so needless to say, after I come back from Texas watching the Cowboys play, I'm going to swing by North, uh, Northern <laughs> California and pick up a plate. Hey, man, come come by. More the merrier. Dr. Dr. Flowers, thank you for your time. Thank you for your words of wisdom. I appreciate it. Can if anybody wants to get in contact with you or follow you on social media, what's uh, your information? So you can uh, find me online at www.gilesllc.com, which is spelled G-I-L-E-S-L-L-C.com. Social media is at Ross Flowers, PhD. There you have it, Dr. Flowers. Thank you for your time. Have a good holiday. And thank you for being a guest on Beach Weekly. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Happy holidays.